0: Duck Creek Technologies, it's Conversations on the Creek, the podcast series where we interview thought leaders about how the latest insure tech is transforming the P&C insurance industry. Whether you work in underwriting, sales and marketing, claims, or an insurer's IT department, in each episode, we uncover the insights you need to create the new standard of insurance. I'm Rob Savitsky from the Duck Creek product marketing team.
1: And I'm Drake Manning from the Duck Creek corporate communications team.
0: And in today's episode, we're so thrilled to be joined by Dan Gumpright, who is a new venture lead at 10E110, a venture build studio at American Family Insurance. He's also a startup advisor at various companies, as well as a mentor at Tech Launch Arizona, the University of Arizona's tech incubator. And today, Dan will be sharing his perspective on innovation, product development, and building startups inside of a larger organization. Dan, what's up? How are you doing today?
2: I'm good. Thanks for asking. Thanks for inviting me to be on the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk about uh, how to innovate, how to build new products. And um, yeah, there's never, never a dull moment in this space. So excited to be here.
1: Yeah, that pumped to have you on. <laughs> never a truer statement for sure, Dan. Welcome to the program. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Hey, and you know, in the spirit of full disclosure for our our listeners, uh, while AmFam is not a Duck Creek partner customer, we are absolutely thrilled that you joined the show today. We have a a expanded series with conversations on the creek that is uh, started with our partners. It expanded to our customers, our executives, and now we're rolling this out to industry thought leaders, and it's great to get perspective from across the industry. So um, actually, before we go any further, I think we both need hats. The Tenny 110 hat is a really cool thing. So, I'm going to ask you to send a hat at some point if you can.
2: I, I might get you one of them if we <laughs> right. uh, if we if we hit
1: 3,000 with
2: uh, with listeners on this
1: podcast, I'll get you a hat. You got it all right that sounds great so let's dive into the program um you have a really extensive background in product and innovation uh in terms of um insurance uh having worked both with software vendors and now you're at 10110 i'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more and just expand on your background for our listeners what you're up to today in your current role
2: for sure. Um, so I, I started my career as a software developer uh, and then moved pretty naturally into product management. And then I spent some time uh, leading product departments, at a bunch of insurtech and software companies. And over the past five or six years, I started getting very involved in startups and companies looking to grow from seed and series A to series B uh, and beyond. And I kind of got addicted. So startups and innovation are a little bit addictive. Uh, I tried starting up a few companies of my own. I got on the board of some others, uh, and then I started, kind of. Uh, I guess I found myself uh, advising the incubation and spin-off team at, at the U of A, uh, and then started working at e One Ten uh, in a venture build studio like this, um, where we're building new, innovative startups on a regular basis. I guess it all kind of just happened. Um, you know, I I started in development, went into product management, then got into startups, and uh, and it's a lot of fun.
1: That's awesome. And, you know, 10 e 110 in terms of how both you and maybe the organization are thinking about it, how are you approaching innovation? Maybe a two-part question and, and, and also a follow-up in terms of, you know, do you think of it incrementally, disruption? How are you thinking about innovation there?
2: Yeah. So so at 10 e 110 specifically, we're a venture build studio and a capital partner. So that involves both building and buying companies. Um, I'm actually a new venture lead, so I work in the build studio. Um, And a new venture lead is kind of an entrepreneur in residence or a CEO uh, for the new ventures that we decide to build. Um, And our responsibility, like my responsibility, is uh, turning an idea into a business, so creating a really fast-working MVP or minimum viable product as quickly as possible, validating product market fit, uh, as efficiently as possible. So, you know, within the studio in the past, we we spun out um, some pretty cool companies such as, uh, I'll do a shout out to Opterics here. Um, that's a risk management platform. Uh, for those who are, are unaware, I recommend you go onto their website and take a look. Um, and there's also HomeGage as well, uh, who provide... Um, the leading home inspection software platform. so we already have a few spin outs um, and you know we aim to build these on a regular basis and spin them out to help uh, help the industry. Um, I guess you asked about um, innovation and incremental versus disruptive so I guess you know I think of both innovation that's incremental and innovation as, that's disruptive as both uh, really important. Right. I've worked at software companies with an innovation department that's responsible for incremental innovation. So designing, uh, building and kind of getting into differentiating features or components that generate a return or a a kind of incremental increase in sales. So I guess if you think in the McKinsey model, um, this is Horizon 1 and Horizon 2 innovation. Um, that's either, I guess, significantly improving or innovating upon your processes or your core solution or expanding it into new markets. But I think there's a difference between innovation and kind of tech incubation. Incubation gives you that ability to truly think outside of the box. So more at the horizon three level. So you're creating brand new products. You're creating brand new companies and technology that doesn't actually exist yet. So it takes a lot more thinking outside of the box, um, and there's a lot more failure involved in that too. But that's where the huge success lies, that outsized return on investment. Um, I, I personally now work predominantly at that Horizon 3 level, uh, but I'm also very comfortable at that Horizon 1 and 2 uh, innovation level as well. And I also still spend a lot of time advising claims and policy departments across the industry on core innovation. Um, and that's extremely rewarding as well. And that has a significant positive impact on customer engagement. So, you know, I, I define innovation in both incremental and disruptive, uh, both are as important as one another. It just depends what you're trying to get out of it. That's awesome,
0: Dan. And yeah, a lot to unpack in there. And uh, yeah, awesome to see what you've accomplished with some of the ventures that have come out of 10 e 110 I actually saw uh, the folks at Opterex last week at InsurTech Insights in New York. And, uh, yeah, it looks really great and excited to hear what they, what they have ahead. But, uh, yeah, I mean, getting back to your point around, um, in answering incremental versus disruptive and fail fast. So, you know, one of the things that, uh, I think, you know, stuck out when I was researching, getting ready for today was what you had put on your LinkedIn profile. And I think it definitely does relate to failure in a lot of ways, but you talk about Building a new startup every six to two sorry every six to twelve weeks as being a roller coaster you never know what each day will bring yet rewarding when it works so can you maybe tell us a little bit more about you know what does a day in your life look like and what what is that fail fast culture for an organization
2: yeah that's a good question um, I don't I don't know if there is a given day of my life or a typical day of my life. Um, I guess right now, I, you know, I'm I'm working on a couple of initiatives. I might spend uh, part of the day managing the backlog for a pretty large development team. That I have working on a new mobile app that I'm building. Um, we're always working in pretty small teams as startups in this innovation space in this build studio. So I need to be doing a bit of everything. Uh, we don't have a full time product owner. Uh, we don't have a full time product manager. So my job basically involves being a bit of all of these at once. So anyone who's been a CEO of a new startup or an innovation lead is going to be very familiar with this. You know, I might sit with my business partners. um, I might brainstorm uh, the roadmap, solve problems about a recent meeting, um, or I might be doing user research or working out what we're going to present the following day at a sales or a partnership meeting. So I get a lot of variety. That's fun. Um, It's great. But I also... I. I personally make sure, and I recommend to everyone, to make sure that you actually block focus time in your calendar to do deep work, to get through tasks that you w- wouldn't otherwise do. They might fall through gaps. Um, I, you know, one, one thing that's interesting, and I, I guess I, I had this before, and it's, um, I guess it's, uh, it's something I'm stuck with, but when you're doing this, you kind of eat and sleep your concept. So I, I guess I'll be falling asleep at night and suddenly thinking of a new way to promote our product. Or a new feature so you know the reason i say the roller coaster comment is you're always working on a constantly evolving initiative things change regularly you might have a phenomenal sales meeting in the morning and then find out in the afternoon that a core piece of tech that you're building doesn't actually work and spend the evening working out why so it's it's super rewarding i guess it uses every brain cell i have at my disposal but it's also it's also an emotional roller coaster at times right you're going up and down um, up and down all the time. Um, you asked as well about, um, fail fast. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So what is fail fast? I, you hear it a lot, right? (laughs) So, um, fail fast. It's, you know, to me at least it's a, it could be rephrased as innovate fast. Um, it's about learning what doesn't work as fast as possible. So you can spend uh, the time, the money, the resources that you have on initiatives that will generate the greatest ROI, the greatest return on investment. So that means you you sometimes need to be pretty ruthless um, with your own ideas, with your own concepts. And one of the things I always say is don't get emotionally attached to your concept. It's super easy to get emotionally attached and start, you know, you start seeing it through rose-tinted glasses. So. What I personally try to do with all innovation that I've been a part of, whether it's uh, in other startups, at 10110, at U of A, is to use an independent scorecard to assess your idea, to put together solid financials, also to pitch regularly to a kind of a trusted board of advisors who can independently help you decide whether or not that idea is worth pursuing. And, you know, it's important to remember in something like a build studio or an innovation department... You are all there for the same goal, right? You're you're there for innovation. You're there to build concepts that that benefit your company and benefit um, your customers. And if you do need to make that difficult decision to kill an idea, you're not killing the team. You're not killing the people or yourself. You're killing the concept and moving those people, uh, your greatest resource, onto the next, onto the next concept, into the most, you know, efficient. Uh, you know, using the most efficient way possible to put them on um, the best concept going forward. And, you know, I I guess, you know, one thing that always sticks out when I'm talking about this, when I'm talking about fail fast is um, Simon Sinek, who says, you know, we don't learn much when everything goes right. We learn the most when things go wrong. So fail fast for me is about learning quickly when concepts fail and when you need to kill them so that the future ones become more successful um, and you know you know that maybe 10 20% of your concepts are going to succeed and you know even lower sometimes and the others are going to fail so the ones that are going to fail fail them fast and move on to the good ones
1: right yeah, i love dan that you're uh, you're equating the fail fast to the learning mechanism and you know it strikes me just you know to provide some additional commentary that that learning approach is also learning to develop maybe a thick skin during the processes as you see failure objectively. Um, So really interesting, your perspective on that. Um, Without naming names potentially, uh, what, do you have examples? I know you led with a couple examples, uh, 10E110 that that you highlighted. Are there other examples product-wise, technologically, uh, capability-wise that you've seen in insurance or adjacencies that you believe are truly innovative?
2: Yeah, I guess I, I won't name specific names or carriers or vendors here, but what actually one actually strikes me from my own experience um that, that's kind of relevant here, something that that I've that I've seen in insurance. I I really love looking at some out-of-the-box innovation in insurance that I've seen, you know, in pivoting existing solutions for use in a in a new market. I mentioned earlier kind of the uh, the horizon three is the most exciting for me kind of that real future focus um but some of the horizon two initiatives are also pretty cool um and extremely innovative as well so um you may see may have seen given the roller coaster comment from my linkedin profile that i spent a long time uh, prior to my most recent roles working in insurance fraud detection um that that's effectively stopping bad actors from coming through the door um looking to you know, defrauding claims or during the underwriting process. Uh, you'll, you'll also notice I've done a few podcasts on this in the past. Um, and during this period, a lot, of, a lot of startups were popping up. I know this is commonplace now, but at the time it wasn't. And this was, you know, this is called system vendors like yourselves as well. Um, and everyone was creating solutions that try to automate claims. And, and this was kind of interesting. So at the time, in a, in a number of these companies, um, what do we do? We, we effectively flipped the script. We, we flipped that fraud detection concept on its head. And we started to say, okay, let's disrupt based upon what we're already doing with a differentiating technical capability. We said, well, I guess if we're if we're stopping the bad folk, maybe like five to 10% of people from getting in the door, then we can actually enhance our solution and and create something around it that creates claims automation instead. So instead of stopping 10%, you're allowing 90 plus percent of like legitimate policyholders to get straight through the process and get paid what they deserve. And yeah, there's a lot more to doing that, but pivoting to that area of growth at the time, something that was effectively an emerging technology and using or leveraging your existing differentiated capability to get ahead of that market where other vendors had to build this from scratch, that is, that's kind of one example in insurtech and in insurance where I've actually seen like true innovation come out of something that's already existed in a changing market. So there are actually many examples out there like this where companies have built the right tech. And then pivoted it, like pivoted it appropriately, to target an entirely new market or an entirely new solution. Um, that's kind of
1: exciting. That's very cool. And you know, you had mentioned the uh, the horizons a couple of times during your commentary here. For those listeners who may not be familiar with horizons, can you uh, talk a little bit about or define those?
2: Yeah, I guess you know, it's uh, it's a model that. Um, it's a model that I believe uh, McKinsey put together originally. Um, and it's about looking at kind of the three uh, the three levels of uh, innovation from a time horizon perspective. So horizon one is uh, looking to provide kind of continuous and incremental improvement to your kind of core capability. So it's usually short term. It's usually like six to 12 months. Horizon two is is looking at kind of your, your existing capabilities. Can you expand them into new markets? Can you expand that to new customers? So the example that I just uh, provided, I would see as a, as a Horizon 2 uh, piece. And Horizon 3 is is kind of that true disruption. It's looking into the future. Sometimes uh, technologies that don't necessarily exist yet, capabilities that don't exist yet, and taking a new business to a new market, um, being a real disruptor. So so. McKinsey put this together as kind of three time horizons. There are a bunch of other, uh, other ways to look at this, but I actually really like looking at that horizon one, two, three, uh, picture when it comes to innovation, because you can actually set up your innovation departments to say, okay, core innovation is one department, but horizon three is another one. We're going to expect more failure, but that outsized return is going to come from horizon three. It's good stuff,
0: Dan. Um, I uh, would love to go on for this, uh, you know, all day, but uh, I think we got to get close to wrapping up here. Um, you've hit on a lot of interesting things. I think, um, you know, that it's diversifying your, your venture uh, or or your, sorry, rather your approach to, to building innovation. And so, you know, what advice would you have for carriers uh, who, who are on this journey looking to build a startup studio? You know, what do they need to do besides coming up with ideas?
2: Yeah. It's a it's a good question. Uh, it's not just ideas; it's also about people. Um, so I I actually think one of the things that I I would say is required, apart from structuring uh, the right innovation departments with the right goals, is hiring good people. So building a solid team, creating a trusted environment is also key. Um, you know, it, one thing worth saying here is in the in the workplace in general, I've seen too many innovation departments. Uh, that add too much hierarchy or too much bureaucracy. And that can honestly prevent, um, I guess, some of the honesty that's required in this process of failing fast and creating new companies, right? Things, as Drake said before, like things will go wrong. People will screw up in this process. That's inevitable. I, I screw up a lot. Everyone does in the department. And if you're not screwing up, you're probably not taking large enough risks. So I would say one of the most important things is building a good team, a strong team, but creating trust within that team, which isn't a trivial thing to do. It's it kind of building trust happens every moment of every day. It's about collaborating. It's about not judging, but providing Kind of constructive criticism and accepting that criticism that criticism as well so you know whatever that person's role you're all in it together so I would say that's actually the hardest thing to build out but quite honestly you know if you look online at blogs about why startups fail um, disharmony between team members or too much hierarchy is definitely one of them that can make a successful startup fail so um I would say, really important to set up the right departmental structure and the right team dynamics uh, to make this work. Right. No, great perspective. I mean, I think it's uh, it's really, you know, thinking more than
0: the short term, giving people the, the capability, the flexibility to, to go out, to fail, to take some step backwards so that you can have those bigger, larger gains in the future. Um, yeah. Anything else before uh, we wrap up here today?
2: No, I, I'm I'm good. I think we've covered a lot. Um, if anyone wants to talk more about innovation, they can always get in touch with me. You mentioned my LinkedIn profile. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect, just write a note mentioning this podcast. Um, I'd be happy to set up a time and connect.
0: Perfect. Thank you, Dan. And thank you all for tuning in today. To learn more about 10 110s areas of focus and innovation, visit tenny 110com That's T-E-N-N-E-Y 110.com. Finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out all of our other episodes and subscribe to Conversations on the Creek on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and DuckCreek.com. We'll see you later.